Welcome to the Palef Bukhara podcast. She is speaking. She is speaking. In each 20-minute episode, I'll have the chance to interview and celebrate strong, brilliant and inspiring women. It's important to challenge yourself. We wanted to be different for the better. I wanted to uh, to go back to those values because nature never lies. Hello and welcome back to the Karlev Bukhara podcast. She is speaking. Today I'm talking with Alexandra Perrer de Nonancourt, who is co-CEO of the famous champagne maison Laurent Perrier, which she co-manages with her sister Stephanie. So it's an absolute pleasure to have you, Alexandra, with us today to learn more about your, your world of champagne. So hello, how are you? Very well, thank you. And thank you for welcoming me. Oh, it's a pleasure. So you grew up in uh, the Champagne region, is, is that right? Yes, totally right. I literally grew up inside the company of Laurent Perrier until the age of uh, 15 years old. Uh, in my little village called Tours-sur-Marne, we were surrounded uh, of fields and vineyards. And uh, I learn a lot from uh, this nature. And uh, it brings me some values that I stand for. Oh, did you have fun growing up in, in the countryside? Yes, of course, because you learn a lot, you observe a lot. Nature is like a, a, a unique playground. And... Uh, no, no, it's wonderful. But when you become a teenager, it starts to be uh, different. You, you aspire to be, uh, to be in a town. Now, I can imagine. I have uh, teenage daughters, so <laughs> you I understand. know what that's you like. Yes. <laughs> you need to be close to, to the action and exactly. at least a railway station. Did you, uh, growing up, did you always know that you wanted to follow in your uh, family's footsteps? Not really. Uh, in fact, I am a former interior designer. And uh, uh, before joining our company, I used to work for architect and uh, interior designer or a perfume industry. And uh, I realized that I wanted to work for my father when I had the chance uh, to participate to the creation of a perfume. And uh, I try my nose, I discover that I had one. Oh, wow. And secondly, I discover also that to create perfume, you could work on natural aromas and also synthetic aromas. And that's where I realized that I was growing in a natural environment and I wanted to uh, to go back to those values because nature never lies. Oh. To work with a soil, a climate, and um, natural grapes, uh, you could create something very special. And to work with my father was really a big opportunity for me to discover not only a family company, but a great boss because my father was a real great boss. I've always been, so I'm a, a writer and a journalist and, and I write, I, I basically work by myself. So I'm always rather envious of people who work with their siblings, with their children, with their parents. It's just such a lovely thing. And you work with your sister. Yes. And also your, your daughter, Lucy. Yes. How, right. how do you divide up? Do you all have your own specific roles? How, do, how does it work? With my sister, 
both we have acquired our own experiences, which are quite complementary. Uh, my sister Stephanie worked for advertising agency and also for Sotheby's on the auction uh, communication. Uh, for myself, as you know, I am an interior designer, and I think both we grow up inside the company, looking at my father working on an everyday basis to build the brand. And I think it was a wonderful example for both of us. And today we um, work alongside the chairman of the management board, Stefan Daliak, who is um, not a member of our family. And we share the same vision and uh, the sense of development for excellency in terms of know-how and, um, and craft. Do you think it helped sort of to step away and then to step back in for both you and your sister? That must have brought new experiences from outside. Would you recommend it for your yes, children? Yes, yes, of too? course. I think it's very important. Because when you are outside your company, you realise what is good inside. And also, when you come back, you have to revisit the house you have met when you was at a stage of your life. In fact, when you go back in your family company, you have to understand the DNA of your company. And professionally, you have to analyze what is important, why it is like this, why the brand has these forces and you work for those things. And to come from outside brings you new eyes, in yeah. a way. Yeah, what do we call it? Fresh eyes, I think. In, fresh yeah, eyes, fresh exactly. Eyes. Um, going back to sort of the women power, because you're three women now, sort of running this internationally renowned global company. But there was also women way back. Uh, I believe your grandmother was also... Uh, what do we say, a go-getter uh, in her time? Our history started uh, 200 years ago. We are born in 1812. But in fact, the house was has been called Laurent Perrier only since 1887 because of the first strong woman. Uh, she was a widow. She was called Mathilde Émilie Perrier. And she founded the brand name Laurent Perrier by linking uh, her surname to her late husband, Eugène Laurent. And in fact, Laurent Perrier is a two-family name linked together. Uh, for my grandmother, uh, when she took over uh, Laurent Perrier, uh, Laurent Perrier was in trouble at the time. And... Um, when she uh, bought Laurent Perrier, it was at the beginning of 1939, just before the Second World War. Okay. And it's my father, when he arrived after the Second World War, who rebirthed uh, the brand and relaunched everything, the style, the range, and uh, the international development. What... Um I find fascinating, as you say, you're, you're like you're 200 years old and, and you come, the company is in a small village in the Champagne region of France. And yet you're known all over the world, you know, from, from Asia to America to Europe. How did that happen, do you think? It, what was the success, the reason for this success? 
I would say first because we wanted to be different for the better. And we have been innovative from the really beginning. Because we were born in this little village, we had to emerge with new wine, new expression of champagne wines. And secondly, we choose to be chosen by the best. And what I mean is chosen by the grand chef, chosen by the sommelier, chosen by all the people who are very fond of gastronomy and who love pairing and matching wine and food. And champagne, I would say, is really a wine which is wonderful to link to as the gastronomy of the world. And uh, finally, I would say we have a wonderful team in many countries. We have uh, seven subsidiaries in the world with our people who explain why L'Ambay is so special, why our range and wine have a special style, recognizable, and really prepare to give you the best pleasure around the table. It's interesting. When uh, Before meeting you, I, I did a little research, and, and I, I'm no expert in, in wines or, or champagne, but I always thought there was just one, but you have several different... Yes, uh, we v- have eight cuvées. Wow, brilliant. There, there was a lot of creativity, it seems, in the creation of, of champagne. Do you continue to innovate today, try different things, experiment? Yes, it's uh, what we have done with my sister uh, since our bicentenary. In fact, we have relaunched our brut. We notice that um, we improve the way we select our grapes and um we thought that it was important to involve in our techniques of elaborating our brut. We relaunch our brut in a way and we create la cuvée, which means that we use only the best pressing of our grapes to elaborate our brut non-vintage. And we have an aging process of four years in our cellar before uh, selling our brut everywhere in the world. Wow, that's quite a long time, isn't it? It's a very long time because uh, Champagne Low, to be uh, inside the appellation, is uh, 15 months of ageing. Wow. And we do much more. Yeah. It's interesting because um, from listening to you, there's this very creative side, but there's also this scientific side where everything needs to be very, very precise, almost like a a Swiss watch, if we may. You're totally Uh, right. How important is timing in the creation of a champagne, either, you know, in the vineyards or, or, or in the cellar? Mm-hmm. Both are very important. In the vineyard, it's every time because uh, weather could change and you have to adapt all the time to anticipate because what you want is to have grapes ready to be cut for the, the, the special time of the harvest and you want the best to obtain the best and you have to take care like babies. Yeah. For the seller, you need patience because the aging process is crucial in our elaboration process and we want to give time to the wine to be ready 
for each of our qualities to be ready for the consumer. And that's why uh, both timing are very important in the vineyard and in the cellar. Do you have a, a favorite season? Yes, I, I would say I think the harvest time, because that is the conclusion of, um, of a year of work. It's not a conclusion. It's the beginning of something and the end of, of another. It's wonderful for all the people who have work in the vineyards. And we could speak all together uh, about the special time of their work and the result we have obtained. And also, it is a beginning with the cellar master and the team of uh, the production uh, way to see the result of the harvest and to project ourselves in the future wine we are going to obtain. Yes, it sounds very magical. I know when we see the... Uh, the vineyards here in Switzerland when they're taking the grapes and everything. It, there's a certain energy and magic and excitement. and well, you It's feel it. really an excitement. You're right. When you uh, look back over, over your career, what are you most proud of? I think for my sister and I, um, when our father died in uh, 2010, it has been a real gap for both of us. In fact, for all our team, they were like uh, orphan. And we had to play a role, a different role. We had to, um, to give some time to this team to, um, to understand that we could reach a new era without Bernard de Nancourt. Mm -hmm. And to celebrate our bicentenary all together, was a very special time where we had to pay tribute to our past, but in the same time to face the future uh, with enthusiasm and trust. Oh, that's beautiful. So of the eight uh, different varieties of champagne, do you have a favourite? Uh, yes, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> do tell. Um, I would say I have two favourites. Uh, Grand Siècle first is my favorite wine because that was the first wine created by my father and it indicates me the quest of excellences. The second one is the Alexandra Rosé. It was very special to me because it was lunch for my wedding and it was the last wine created by my father. For me, it's like the legacy, live me. Uh, a legacy of passion, devotion of all his life for a know-how, which is champagne, elaborating good wines. And uh, that's why I'm very um, sensitive because of these two very characteristic wine of our portfolio. Uh, did you know your father was making a wine for you before your wedding? No, I didn't know. Before being named for my wedding, it was a special wine that he wanted to create a special rosé with a maceration of Pinot Noir with a little bit of Chardonnay. And he put this wine into a bottle and he, he, he wanted to, to wait a very special event. And when I asked him, oh, I would like to be married, he thought about this wine to celebrate my wedding. Oh, wow. And to lunch it for my wedding. Wow, what a great gift. I mean, it doesn't uh, get better than that. <laughs> it was, you know, like uh, a letter in a way. 
Oh, to taste this wine was like the later and the legacy of my father. It was much more than words. It was something, you know, that you have to feel. Yes. Does it still give you goosebumps when you drink ah, it? Oui, oui. Oh, oui, oui. Oh, that's magical. That's so emotional. <laughs> because the color of the Alexandra Rosé is like a sunset in the winter in Champagne. Oh, that's It's beautiful. really a very special color. Oh, wow. We have to, I have to taste this. <laughs> yes, we have to taste it together. <laughs> we have to taste it. Um, you work also with your daughter, Lucy. I also have two girls uh, who sometimes help me out from time to time. How is that? How is it working with your, with your daughter? It's a feeling of proudness. I'm very, uh, I'm very pleased because she represents now the fourth generation for my sister and I. It has been a great emotion when she decided to join uh, Laurent Perrier. But it was her own choice. She is passionate by wine and champagnes. She has her <laughs> diploma of uh, WACT. And, uh, What's that? Uh, it's a Wine and Spirit Education okay. Trust. It's a very special training. And when you go at the end of this uh, diploma, you could become a master of wine. You must have a lot of young women who, who look up to you, uh, your daughter as well. Uh, what advice do you give them when they enter this, this world of bubbles? <laughs> <laughs> bubbles or wine? Or wine, or yes. Wine. I would say it's important to challenge yourself to be sure that when you work with wine, you are going to have the, the sense of time because you cannot modify things in uh, every day. You have to anticipate all the time, but after to have the patience to wait for result. Because with wine, time is essential if you want really to create something distinctive. Because you have to work on the vineyard and you cannot transform a vine in two minutes. You have to, to have a long-term view. Yes. Uh, patience is obviously something very, very important because there are a lot of things like the, the weather that are completely out of your control. So of course, you, you work with nature, yeah. with all the inconvenience. But um, you have to respect also the nature and the environment. And in the same times, technically... You have to learn a lot. And with wine, you have to learn all your life. I would say with many jobs, but the wine uh, world, in fact, it's a really long way to, uh, where it's a long process. You, you, each harvest is a new challenge because you have always to anticipate before the harvest what you want to do. And after the harvest, you have to wait the result, but you have really to wait. With champagne, for example, you have to wait four years before drinking the result of what you wanted to uh, transform. That's things. patience. That's patience. <laughs> yes, that's good advice. Are there any winemakers living or, or passed away that, that really inspire you? I'm going to speak about what I know but uh, because I know very, very close to me. Oh. I admire my father when he was uh, trying all the, all the wine, testing all the, the Vinclair before a blending time. And 
our cello master, Michel Fauconnet, I must say, I admire him a lot because uh, he has this Chardonnay nose that I love. And uh, I think it's really incredible to uh, recognize in somebody the faculty to, uh, to find the right aromas to express what you have in mind and to continue the vision we have for Laurent Perrier, the style, because we all have in mind the style we want to obtain, but to have the right nose to determine which vin clair will be in line with this vision, it's another point. Oh, I can see your eyes sparkling as, <laughs> as you're chatting about, about him. That's mm. lovely. What would people be most surprised to learn about the world of champagne? Are there any sort of secrets or... I would say the blending. Because for our brut, non-vintage, our cellar master is testing 300 vinclair before deciding the final blending for this brut non-vintage. That's incredible. Could you imagine 300 vinclair? which mean to smell and to test. Does he do it all at the same time or is it in stages? It could be, it could be in one week okay. because you have to do it uh, not on the one... Uh, yeah, in one go. In one go. You have to do two or three times to be sure. And uh, that's why to avoid error, you have to do it again to be sure that your blending is going to be right. Wow, I had no idea. I, every podcast, I get a little smarter. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks to guests like yourself. Okay, so one last question. What is your most precious champagne moment? At the end of a day, because everything is quieter and uh, the rush of the day is finished and you could relax yourself and to be ready and open-minded to celebrate the end of the day with your glass of champagne. Oh, that sounds lovely. <laughs> I'm going to think of you when I have a little aperitif. Thank you. Evening. You're welcome. <laughs> I do have a, um, an extra little treat because at the end of each podcast, we do a rapid fire question round. Don't worry. There are no right or wrong answers. You just say the first thing that comes to the top of your head. So if you're ready, I will, um, I will fire away. I'm ready. Okay, great. What do you like to drink when you're not drinking champagne? I would say Bordeaux for red and for white, I would say Bourgogne. Okay, perfect. Still staying in the, in the, the wines then, so that's good. Okay, next question. If you had a superpower, what would it be? Ah, I think I would like to speak every different type of language and dialect to understand everything in this world. Oh, that's a good one. I never thought of that. I'm sort of more of a flying person, but that's, that's a really good one. Okay. Are you an early bird or a night owl? An early bird. If you could only eat one dish, only one for the rest of your life, what would you choose? One dish. One dish. Bread. Ah. I love bread. <laughs> Excellent. What do you do uh, that makes you really happy? To hear music. Ah, that's a good one. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on that one. I like music. What I love is uh, to be outside with music, to, to have this feeling of, uh, you know, to be like in a, uh, on a boat uh, in the middle of nowhere. I love. Oh, wonderful. 
Okay, what do we have next? Oh, what's your favorite animal? A dolphin. Okay. You know why? No. Because I love the joyfulness of the of the dolphin. Yeah, they do they they do have this sort of joie de vivre as you voilà. say in French. Okay, which uh, song never fails to make you dance? Ah, it's Love is All. The Roger Glover Glover. Okay. When you hear it, it's incredible. Love is all. Oh. I don't remember the Right, but it's to... wonderful. I love this song. Okay, I'm going to look that up. <laughs> and last one, if you didn't live in France, well, actually, you don't live in France, do you? Yes, I oh, live Oh, you in do France. now. Okay, what other country would you like to live in? Mm, I would say Switzerland and uh, Spain because I, I used to live in those two countries and uh, I have very good memories in those two Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, well, thank you so much. That brings us to the end of our, our podcast. It's been, uh, it's been fabulous chatting with you. Thank you. It was a pleasure also for me. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back soon with another wonderful guest for you. So stay tuned. Until then, stay well. I invite you to subscribe to the She Is Speaking podcast so you don't miss out on this episode or future episodes that include a lineup of exceptional women. Thank you for listening.